Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday uh, to you and yours. Thank you for joining us. Awesome show planned for you today. Steve Kim, Coach JB will both be here. Uh, fantastic fire starter on tap for you. Let's get right into it. Let's go straight to the fire starter. Uh, no, no, no need to wait, hesitate. We got some fire for you. Uh, let's get it rolling. Uh, shortly after the training staff escorted Aaron Rodgers off the field Monday night, ESPN cameras panned to New York Jets owner Woody Johnson standing helplessly in his stadium suite. The look on Johnson's face reflected the gravity of the moment. He and his franchise went all in on the last great old school quarterback. Trading for the Packers legend and bringing in complimentary pieces Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, and Nathaniel Hackett to make Rodgers feel comfortable. The investment lasted four plays. A routine twist on field turf damaged Rodgers' Achilles, likely ending his season and perhaps his career. Woody Johnson purchased blue chip stock right before it collapsed. At 40 years old, it's difficult to imagine Rodgers returning to MVP form. Monday season opener is a sad day for Jets fans, but Rodgers' injury and the stunned image of Woody Johnson symbolizes far more than tragedy for New York football fans. It officially ushers in the National Football League's hip-hop era. The rock and roll quarterbacks that made the NFL the unquestioned most powerful force in popular culture are done as traveling headliners. Over the last eight years, Father Time picked them off one by one. Peyton Manning was the first to go, retiring after the 2015 season. Five years later, Drew Brees left the stage. The next year, Ben Roethlisberger performed his closing act. Last season, Tom Brady sang his final encore. And last night, at his New York opening, the Buffalo Bills ruined Rodgers' first song. It's over. The NFL is hip-hop. Woody Johnson, the 76-year-old owner of the Jets, showed up to Monday Night Football wearing a Rick Ross starter kit. The image of Rodgers limping off the field and Johnson looking on from on high with a gaudy, diamond-laden, white gold chain draped around his neck tells you everything you need to know about Roger Goodell's NFL. Hip-hop conquered the NFL the same way it conquered the NBA. 
culturally, there's no difference between the NFL and the NBA. Is this a good thing? It depends on your perspective and worldview. Social media loves the NBA's alliance with hip hop and identity politics. Social media loves racial idolatry, matriarchal culture, and radical materialism, foundational tenets of hip hop. If Twitter reflects your point of view, you'll love the new NFL. It prioritizes race above everything else. 14 black quarterbacks started for NFL teams this weekend. That news was trumpeted throughout the NFL Twitterverse. I don't say that as a negative, but my happiness with the NFL doesn't revolve around the number of black starting quarterbacks. I just want to see quarterbacks play at a high level. That's not what I saw over the weekend. The quality of play in the NFL across all positions is at an all-time low. The NFL regular season is starting to mirror the NBA's. Like NBA players and rappers, NFL players are grossly overpaid and the quality of their work has slipped, particularly in the regular season. If your worldview and perspective are shaped by traditional Christian values, you have been uncomfortable with the direction of the NFL for nearly a decade. You could see where this was all headed seven years ago when Roger Goodell allowed Colin Kaepernick to kneel during the national anthem for the entire season. Two years ago, when the NFL partnered with Jay-Z and gangster rap legends Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, and 50 Cent performed at halftime of the Super Bowl, you knew beyond a reasonable doubt that the league had been abandoned its core values. In my view, the NFL going hip hop is bad. Oh, it's real bad. My first sports love was the NBA. My dad took me and my brothers to Pacers games when they played in the ABA. My favorite athlete as a kid was Magic Johnson. I absolutely adored the Magic, Larry, Michael, Isaiah era of the NBA. I enjoyed the early years of LeBron James. But as the league became more and more aligned with hip hop, my interest waned. The regular season is mostly unwatchable. The racial pandering in the aftermath of George Floyd turned me completely off. I'm not alone. The NBA isn't nearly as relevant as it used to be. Five years from now, as the NFL sinks deeper and deeper into the hip hop abyss, it won't be as relevant, especially not with people with my values. Hip hop, like all entertainment cultures aligned with Marxism, emasculates. Football has joined the victim Olympics. Everything is racist. When discussing every black athlete or coach, the media must apply black affirming care, which works the same way as gender affirming care. It's a feminine mindset. Everything must be affirmed. Football was meant to be a rough game of resistance and imposition of will. The entire conversation around football and black quarterbacks centers on whether the level of criticism was too harsh. It was racist. It, it, this is even true in college football. Deion Sanders was celebrated by the media for conducting a post game press conference, challenging reporters who he believes failed to affirm his greatness. Great men aren't built by affirmation. They're forged through their perseverance through resistance. Two years ago, the NFL unveiled a commercial promoting the league as gay. 
The league is gay. You remember the commercial, the NFL's gay, 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 gay. That was another sign that football had gone hip hop. Hip hop, it's gay. The male rappers brag about prison sex. The female rappers simulate lesbian sex in their videos. We're gonna miss Aaron Rodgers and the NFL's rock and roll era. Hip hop is a poor substitute for great music and football culture. That's my fire starter. I wanna add on to this fire starter before bringing on uh, Coach JB and Steve Kim uh, because there's something in the news cycle this afternoon that buttresses my point about where we're headed in football and in all the sports world. Uh, Jim Trotter, former reporter with the NFL Network, a uh, longtime NFL reporter uh, in San Diego. Jim and I uh, were peers and colleagues for a long time. Me in Kansas City, Jim in San Diego. We're old AFC West NFL people. I was a columnist. Jim covered the San Diego Chargers. We were two uh, relatively young black journalists uh, covering the NFL before it went completely woke. I had a lot of respect for Jim Trotter as a reporter. Jim has struggled with the transition in new media, got let go by the NFL network, and now Jim has gone completely woke, and he is now suing the NFL for racial discrimination. And he's doing this because he would go to the Super Bowl weekends and he would ask Roger, did, Roger Goodell consistent questions about diversity at the NFL Network. He's claiming that's why he got laid off. Now there have been all kinds of people and reporters laid off at ESPN, Fox Sports, the NFL Network, all kinds of people laid off. Jim is contending he was laid off through racial discrimination. I, I, I'm, I'm suspicious of that's the reason why. The, I don't know if the NFL could be any more woke than it already is, but, but this is the environment around the NFL, the culture that they've embraced. And so Jim has made some allegations uh, that bad luck for, uh, is it Tim Pagula, the owner of the, uh, uh, of the Buffalo Bills, and certainly Jerry Jones of Terry Pagula, of the, of the Buffalo Bills, the owner. Uh, Jim uh, alleges in his lawsuit, which I believe was officially filed today, do, do we have the, I asked for the quotes of what uh, Terry Pagula, Jim is alleging, Terry Pagula said, do I need to look this up? I'm gonna look this up. Uh, I want the exact comments here uh, for the kind of racial discrimination that Jim is saying is pervasive throughout the NFL. Terry Bagula uh, allegedly said during 2020 when Colin Kaepernick, or when all the kneeling and the George Floyd genuflecting was going on, 
uh, Terry Pagula allegedly said, if the black players don't like it here, they should go back to Africa and see how bad it is. Where this was said, I don't know. Is this a private conversation between Jim Trotter and the owner of the Buffalo Bills, Terry Pagula? Perhaps. I, that, that's all I can imagine. It's pretty amazing that if in a private conversation, a billionaire owner of the Buffalo Bills would make that type of statement in front of a black reporter like Jim uh, Trotter or any black reporter in 2020. Just just imagine this. This is 2020. George Floyd is at the height, St. George Floyd, at the height of his relevance. And NFL players are protesting and complaining and kneeling and everything. Is the whole world is racist and just give me my billion dollar paychecks and everybody's racist. And Terry Pagula says in front of a black journalist, if the black players don't like it here, they should go back to Africa and see how bad it is. Now, this is because of social media and because we, we have a very dishonest conversation going on, that statement which I find very hard to believe that the guy said it, but even if he did say it, I'm not sure if it's racist. It's just someone being honest. It's something anybody is capable of saying, black or white. Someone moves into a black neighborhood and they don't like the music this place. Say some white person does. Hey, if you don't like it, move back to your neighborhood. This is, uh, but I don't even want to, it's difficult for me to argue the, the stupidity of, of this whole scenario. Because one, it's hard for me to believe Terry Bagula said it. Terry Bagula has issued a statement denying it, saying it's absolutely false. Uh, let me move on to the other one. This is Jerry Jones. Uh, complaining and or, or this is Jerry Jones's that's Terry Pagula's statement I want to move on to Jerry Jones uh, alleged according to Jim Trotter Jerry Jones the owner of the Cowboys said if blacks feel some kind of way they should buy their own team and hire who they want to hire now allegedly that's racist are we sure or are we sure if blacks feel some kind of way, they should buy their own team and hire who they want to hire? For I, I find it hard to believe that Jerry Jones said this to a black reporter. But if he did, I want to hear some proof that that's racist. Because that is in line with my thinking. It's in line with anybody's thinking that's of a rational, objective mindset. You're, oh, there's not enough black coaches. Oh, there's not enough this or that. And Jerry Jones and these billionaire owners that are paying black NFL players millions upon millions upon millions of dollars have to relentlessly hear questions about how racist they are because they haven't hired a black football coach. They'll pay, Dak, Jerry Jones will pay Dak Prescott $40 million a year, 
while he leads the league in interceptions, but he's so racist he won't hire a coach for $5 million a year. Those things don't square. And, and anybody that knows Jerry Jones and knows his relationship with NFL players, no one's running around thinking, oh, Jerry Jones is a racist. But in this social media fake world that we've created, in this hip-hop world, this illogical hip-hop world that we've all embraced and we've all mainstreamed, it doesn't matter whether what Jerry Jones says is logical. Logic doesn't matter. It's been kicked out the window. We live in a make-believe world. We live in a world that has no respect for merit and people earning. We live in an emasculated world where the only kind of care we can offer anybody is gender-affirming. Oh my God, you're, my six-year-old boy feels like a girl. Let's cut his penis off. Let's affirm his gender. Same thing here. Jim Trotter feels like it was racism. Let's affirm it. We must affirm everything Jim Trotter feels. Th this... <laughs> You wonder, no man should respect this behavior. No man. But we've become such a feminized world that we do respect this behavior and we think it's appropriate that men run around and talk about their feelings and what they feel they should. Oh, it's not about taking what you what you earn. It's not about taking what you want. Someone should give it to you because you feel this way. The entire thing, I'm not exaggerating when I say the entire NFL, the entire sports world, hip hop, it's all gay. I, I, I've been saying this and trying to connect these dots for you all for months, for years now on this show. It's a gay mindset. It's a gay culture. It's a feelings over facts culture. And, and you can hop on board with it because of your racial idolatry. Have at it. I'm not going there with you. Real men don't behave this way. Real men don't run, oh, you must affirm me. Do you believe in me? Do you believe now? That's gay. Someone yesterday, and this will come off like I'm attacking Dion and, and all the groupies in the chat right now and all the groupies that hop on my Twitter feed, I, I get your groupies for Dion. I, I, I get it. I, I completely understand it. You've adopted the whole groupie mentality that goes along with hip hop. I haven't, and I won't. Dion's a man, and I'm going to treat him like a man.
And when I see unmanly behavior, when I see a mindset and an approach that's unmanly, I'm going to call it out because it's destroying all of us. And so Dion to any to Jim Trotter, to everybody else, they can get it like they live. They can get it the way it's supposed to be given by other men. There should be some pushback and resistance. When you start adopting a gay mentality, a feminine mentality, and try to impose that on your workplace and on the rest of society, it needs to be pushed back against. And I'm going to do it. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. I'm sorry if, if your particular idol, the, the groupie, the, the idol you've decided to worship. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. But this entire thing is gay. All of it. And so I look at last night when Aaron Rodgers limped off that field, my interest in the game went in the toilet. That's the end of an era when men were men. When it wasn't a victim Olympics, when NFL owners didn't dress like Rick Ross. When everybody wasn't trying to be hip hop and illogical and radical materialist and feminine and matriarchal and everything must be affirmed. If people aren't running around after one game or one season, hailing Deion Sanders as the greatest thing in coaching history, that's not racism. That's common sense and logic. That's men saying, nah, I want some proof first before I jump on board. And everybody running around, every evaluation of every, oh, the criticism was just too harsh. There was too much criticism. That's racist. It's gay. You're gay. And, and, and I get many, Whitlock's a homophobe. No, no, I, I really don't care who sleeps with who. I don't care what you do in your personal life. You will deal with God on that. You don't have to deal with me. I just don't want the softness invading things that I enjoy. Football. I just don't want the softness ruining the development of other young men. And that's what we have going on here. You want to know why you go into any black matriarchal community and there's so many sexual identity issues? And why it looks like one out of every four black boys are gay? Look at the matriarchal culture we've adopted. Look at the prioritization of feelings everywhere. That's what the NFL is now. Jerry Jones, Terry Pagula, blame yourself. And, and I know Jerry Jones tried to stop it, but all the other NFL owners that didn't help Jerry Jones try to get Roger Goodell up out of there, you're all going to pay the same price. At any moment, 
some Jim Trotter is going to accuse you of being racist and, and come up with some story th that smears your reputation and character. And it'll all be because you were too cowardly to do anything about Roger Goodell's cowardly leadership of the NFL. You don't have a real commissioner. You have someone compromising at every turn to keep and protect his own job. You have someone ushering in a hip hop mentality. It's gay. That's the rite of passage in hip hop, sodomy. Go ask P. Diddy. Listen to the music. Listen to what these guys rap about. I used to be a fan of this music. Back before it, it, it became this alphabet mafia. But I'm ashamed of it now. All the women are lesbians and all the men are bisexual and willing to do anything to get a record deal. You want, what's the dude's name? Uh, is it Baby from Cash Money Records or whatever? This kissing Lil Wayne in the mouth? Have at it, all of you all. I'm not riding with it. So <clears throat> that's my fire start. I'm gonna drag JB into this mess and we'll talk about the quality of play. And, and then I'll bring Steve Kim in and we'll talk about Jim Trotter's lawsuit and some of the, uh, the quality of play and the end of this era and the ushering in of the hip hop era and the black quarterback era and whether or not this is gonna be good for the NFL. Before I do that, I wanna take care of, you know, one of my favorite sponsors of the show, uh, Preborn. You guys know that uh, I love Preborn because Preborn supports life in the womb. Preborn believes life begins at conception, and Preborn supports that belief by providing expectant mothers ultrasounds and images of that baby in the womb and heartbeats. And once that woman is introduced to the baby in the womb, heartbeat, image, she is twice as likely to choose life, and that's when Preborn really steps up with their support helping that woman get through pregnancy and providing her the material items she needs the first two years of that baby's life. Preborn is awesome. You guys have seen me bring Dan Steiner on, who founded Preborn. We know where our money goes when we support Preborn. It doesn't go to pay uh, high-end executives. It goes to provide ultrasounds for expected mothers. It's just $28 for one ultrasound. 140 buys five ultrasounds. Whether you give $5 or $5,000, it is all appreciated and it all goes towards saving a baby's life. So when your grandchild asks you, hey, grandma, grandpa, what did you do to fight abortion? You're gonna say, hey, I saved lives. I supported preborn. That's what all of us fearless soldiers need to do. I need you guys to do it. There's two ways to do it. Pound 250 and say the keyword baby or give the Jason Whitlock way, preborn.com slash Jason. That's preborn.com slash Jason. This is important for fearless soldiers. I need you guys supporting preborn. Send me an email after you do, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Uh, don't go anywhere. Uh, Coach JB, Jason Brown, next. It's my obligation, I hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom.
yeah. I had gotten hurt. I had this crazy golf accident, and and I was, I mean, I was I could have been killed like that. It was a, a crazy random thing that happened. And a couple of the the off camera women, um, including one that is also on camera, was going to come over and um, just hang out with me. And I was pretty, I was a mess, pretty beat up. And then it was, um, well, listen, we just if we do this, we can't have it on Instagram or anything. We can't, you know. I love her, but. You know, I can't be seen with her. Like friend, friend, people who knew my yeah. parents, knew my family, knew my kids. Um, and so th those are the things that hit, that hit me the most. Those other people who are just mouthy and looking for clicks and wanting to crush me for whatever random reason, I, I don't care. I, I do not care about those people. Go for it. I, I choose to live in positivity and surround myself with, with that kind of energy. Uh, and, and it also is faith-based where I'm not, I'm not going there. Welcome back. Time for some last chance cue with uh, Coach JB. JB, I'm dragging you into a hot mess of a fire that I've just built. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think we saw the end of an era last night uh, with Aaron Rodgers limping off the field, the era of the old school uh, pocket quarterback is over. We're now in the official hip hop era of football. When I saw Woody Johnson, iced out uh, with big gold, diamond-crusted chain and all. I was like, oh, yeah, it's official. Uh, football's gone completely hip-hop, and, and it, it's – I don't see any difference between the NFL and the NBA, and, and I used to be a huge NBA fan. I'm, I'm not as big an NBA fan. Anyway, your thoughts watching Aaron Rodgers limp off the field – and am I right that it symbolizes the end of a era for the NFL? Yeah, the the old era is over. Uh, Brady's gone. Rodgers is now possibly done at 39. I don't think he recovers from uh, from that. I had a doctor, uh, Dr. Morse, on my show this morning. Every Tuesday he comes on and gives full breakdowns of this. He covers the NFL um, fully. He uh, He thought it snapped. He saw it snap. He called it on his own um, social media account. Um, listen, Joe Burrow's the young one that could possibly do it, but he's more athletic, Tom Brady, that we're going to see. We're going to put him in the new generation. Aaron Rodgers is the old generation, and it ended last night. Um, I, there's so much to dive into, Jason, on this thing. Um, but to answer your question, uh, yeah, it's over. Uh, hopefully Burrow can, can establish some sustainability at the position. But one person's not enough. This is the worst quarterback play has ever been. I stand on that hill. Uh, I'm glad people are starting to hit me up now after last night's Josh Allen performance. Uh, after the, the Roger Goodell debacle of what he has created, seven-year veteran NFL player, uh, Matt McChesney on my show today, started crying. He, said, he started crying, Jason, on my show. Seven-year vet, jet, a Jet alum. And he's like, this is not professional football. This is a complete mockery of the game that Roger Goodell has created to, to, to affect the left, the woke, and create a flag football uh, genre, so to speak. Um, 
in this professional sport we like to call football. It's not no more. It's flag football, and it's causing all-time injury, Jason. This is why you have these injuries. You're not allowing your stars to play in the preseason. You're allowing no callus to be created, no tough skins established. There's science, Jason, science. You and I played. We used to stretch in 10-degree weather. Stretch, let's go. Now you warm the body up first. Get it blood boiling. You stretch after the actual exercise is over with. That's the new science. Well, you can't just go from cold to hot, Jason, like this, like Aaron Rodgers did. What did he play? Four minutes total preseason? And you expect this not to happen? We're sla- we're fooling ourselves, man. This is a joke. You play professional football because you loved it as a kid. You then thought you were good enough to make it to the NFL and make money. And you did so. Then finish out your obligation and play the game. Play the games. Play the games. All of them. And it's just a mockery, man. It really is. It's sad to watch. I can't. I don't know if I can continue to watch this bad of a product we put out on a football field every day. Um, and quarterback position starts there, and it's it's as bad as I've ever seen it. And I'm going to stay on that hill. JB. Um, JB. Go into detail. This this former player you're talking about that that cry. What, what's he so upset about? What was he sharing with you and your audience? Why is he so bothered? He's mad. He's upset because you know the the game is so we 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 claim to have pr- protect the player, but yet you won't spend the money on getting rid of turf fields and putting grass in when you can roll a grass field in in Arizona. You can uh, you can you can claim you want to put these um, helmet you know I call them prophylactics on the helmet in practice, um, but you won't protect them in the whole overall scheme of things. You won't get them lifelong insurance. You won't protect the body after they leave the game. Um, there's so many other things that are going into it. When the player leaves, that's it. They're forgotten. Roger Goodell could get could care less. Uh, Matt playing for the Jets, having all this stuff, seeing Aaron go down last night because you're not demanding them to play all the time. You're not demanding them to perform in front of an audience, a crowd that's paying your salary. And until the crowd or or somebody stop starts to take money out of Goodell's pockets, um, there's going to be no change because – He's not getting hit because the fans continue to show up. They sold out Vegas last year, Jason, for a flag football Pro Bowl. Like, why would you change? Why would you change if you're going to get a flag football game to sell out? I'm going to continue to dilute the game. Um, That's what they're doing. Uh, If you haven't noticed, the quarterbacks have digressed, regressed, however you want to say it. Josh Allen's digressed. I don't even know what to say. Uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, uh, Joe Burrow looked horrible. Joe Burrow. I I brought it up this morning, Jason, and I'm going to break it down. The injuries are at an all-time high. 270 injuries after one weekend of football? Soft tissue, hamstring, groin, Achilles? We've never seen it. I had Dr. Morse on today. I brought up the whole – I know it's a hot take and everything, but I brought it up to him. I just said, listen, I got to get your take on this. Jokingly, Jason, I always say it's the weed and the Taco Bell, right? I brought it up today and I said, hey, what's up with the, the, the bone marrow deal? What do you think about it? He goes, I'm actually a bone marrow specialist. 
you brought up a great point. He goes, Jason, I'll be honest, JB, you're onto something here. I'm going to bring data to your show next Tuesday, and I'm going to look into it. There is no way that we're having these types of injuries at an all-time high like this simply because of either A, turf. It's a combination of a lot of things. It can't just be turf. It can't. We've we've seen spiral fractures on grass with Napoleon McCallum, Jason. We've seen Joe Theismann break his neck on grass. We've seen grass injuries. Football is a, a violent sport. The turf can't be the sole reason. Um, I, I don't see the cleat getting giving up on grass and his and, and Aaron Rodgers' ankle just going into the a waterless bottom pit last night if they were on grass. I don't see that difference. It's because we don't practice Jason correctly. We don't play the game violently all year around. And guess what you have? You got guys grabbing guys from the back, and that's what's causing lower extremity injuries. And then guess what? You're tearing the cartilage and ligaments in your fingers because we don't properly wrap up, square up, run our feet. Because, Jason, you're asking a 20-mile-an-hour player in the NFL that's running that fast, wearing 10 pounds of gear, to stop and go to 14 miles an hour because he doesn't know where the target zone is on a quarterback now or on a player, defenseless or otherwise, and now you're you're having more injuries than we've ever had. And it's like, come on, Roger Goodell, you're not protecting the player. You're protecting your pockets. And that was Matt McChesney's take today, and he got emotional. He's like, he don't care about us. And he goes, it's a joke now. And now you're losing the best players in the NFL because of this. And uh, I think you're going to see more and more go down. And, and Jason, the other that's thing you're, the other- let me ask you, let me just say this to finish. It's not only the injuries, Jason, it's the performance. Joe Burrow looked That's horrific. where I was going. Daniel Jones. That, that's horrific. where I was going. JB, let me ask my follow-up because w- what you're talking about is the lack of resistance is hurting the product. As well, it's not just not protecting the players. If you're not allowed to practice full speed, how do you get better? You can only get worse. And that's what we're seeing with these quarterbacks. They keep making the game easier and easier and easier for them. And they got they don't have to make any reads. They don't have to really know a full game plan or anything like that. And they're not required to even practice that much. And they're certainly not required to practice full speed. How can you get better? It's how. It can't happen. And that's why I think the quarterback play, I agree with you, is getting worse. Jason, please, can we stop with the player on the sideline wearing a headset? I'm so damn over it. I want this. There is no equal. You are hired to do one job, Jason. Play quarterback. I pay you for that one job. $200 million I pay you to be a quarterback to win me a Super Bowl for my franchise. Can we stop with the Dak Prescotts, Aaron Rodgers, and everybody else wearing a headset thinking they need to be in the know? You are on a need-to-know basis. There is no more hierarchy, Jason. It's societal. It's, on the, it's at the professional level with sports and athletics. It's in basketball, football, LeBron James calling the play. Stop. We need to have a hierarchy in sports and in life or there will be no rules, bylaws, structure. We are losing the infrastructure of not only America, but sports. 
And the youth looks up to athletes over politicians and other people first. Let me just be clear. They're looking at Aaron Rodgers first. When he's on the sideline with a headset telling Hackett what to run, when you should be with your team sitting around chilling if you're not going to play, but really, truthfully, you should be in the damn game, Aaron Rodgers, in preseason game one. I'm tired of seeing these guys with headsets. When did this start, Jason? When did it? When did we become equals? Hold for you one didn't... second, JB. JB, 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 you're, you're making a great point. I just want to clarify it for the audience. Just because you're making a great point. I don't want people to miss it. What, what JB's arguing, like, the sports world used to model how society should operate. And it used to, the sports world, particularly football, used to be modeled off a military example. And they were very efficient because there was a chain of command. Privates answered to corporals, corporals answered to sergeants, so, and so on and so forth. And, and what we've done with the sports world and what we've done with society, there is no chain of command. Everybody's equal. And the player now, he's more powerful than the coach or he's equal to the coach. And, and we have conversations around, oh, my God, the coach didn't show the player enough respect and they're equals. And we got all these former players on TV telling everybody and telling the world that, oh, a properly run franchise, the ownership brings in the player to get his point of view. And, and, and he, he has a say so in everything. That's not, there's supposed to be order, a natural order, a chain of command, and we've lost that in sports, and we've lost it in society, and that's why we have inefficiency and chaos everywhere. Did, did I, did I, is that the point you're making, JB? Because it's a great one. No doubt it, it is. And, and, and Jace, I'm going to be honest. I, I talked to five Division One head coaches and coordinators in the last two days. They see it starting at the high school level and at the level they're currently at, at Division One, You know why? Because you and I, when we were coaching, you were coached at Ball State, you would get ripped, MF'd, up and down, whatever. You stayed at that school. You took the coaching, teaching, whether right, wrong, or indifferent. You took it. You stayed there because your parents probably weren't going to let you transfer anyway. And you, you were taught to develop some tough skin and understand there is a directive coming downhill and – you know, we always say crap rolls downhill. And I got to say, if you're spending 23 of your 24 hours in a day, Jason, to their point, kissing the butts of the NIL played players who are getting paid to stay at your institution instead of coaching them, teaching them life, teaching them skills that can be benefited when they leave the football field, no, you're teaching, you're, 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 whole, you're trying to keep them in your school so they don't leave you, and then you can't yell at them because they'll transfer. You can't teach them nothing because they're going to transfer, and you can't coach them hard anymore. So now you're spending all your time keeping them there and not teaching them anything. So when they go to the NFL, what are they doing? Demanding trades. Under contract, they demand a trade. What does that sound like? A transfer portal. And it's going upwards for the first time. It's transcending upwards. And the four-year coach is just like, JB, this is, this, these kids are making 30. This was a direct quote from an offensive coordinator at a Power 5 school last night. I got kids making 30 grand a month, JB, that don't even see the football field here. 
30 grand a month on an NIL deal that don't even make the the the, the play the play on the field. And guess what? This is a lower tier power five. This ain't Alabama, Clemson, or 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 USC. So imagine what they're making. He said, we got 50% of our guys making 15 grand a month that never will see the field. So what do you think the locker room is like? There's no directive. There's no order. There's there's guys looking at everybody side-eyed thinking there's greener pastures out here and or I don't got to listen to you. I make more money than you. And these kids don't even know how to change the oil in their car and we're giving them the keys to the Lamborghini. It's upside down, Jason. I don't know how to fix it. I wish we could fix it on your show, my show, somebody's show. But there's a uh, direct correlation with this society and this back and forth. It goes back. It's a mirror. I think it's a mirror, and it's looking at each other. And it's hip hop. It's it's the culture. It's it's everything. It's everything. JB, I want to make one more analogy. I want to make one more analogy before you go because this is this is awesome stuff. The the what what we're seeing with football as it turns into basketball and basically what you're seeing in the NFL and in college football it's all just AAU it's all just summer basketball this everybody treats their college football team and now their NFL team just like oh I'm not happy with my AAU team I'm going to go play for another organization and I just it, it, it's it's just it's AAU. Everything we hated about summer basketball has now come to football, and practices are chaotic. Well, they're fun. Again, I started looking at what I'm like, everybody's playing rap music at football practice. This is what they were doing in basketball 20 years ago. And now you can't have a football practice without a sexy red or somebody rapping a bunch of profanity in the background as you try to teach football. This is insanity, why, man. Why, why do you think it is, though? I mean, I, I just want, I, I want to give you my take on why the rap music is being played and why it's loud out there. It's to adhere to a kid who's forcing you to tell him, kiss my butt or I'm going to transfer. That's coming. And just imagine that times 90. 90 guys are telling Coach Saban, no, we want music. There's a reason Saban's going on the Pat McAfee show now on Thursdays. He's got to either adapt or you're going to die. Is he going to die now or is he going to follow the Deion Sanders method and get his butt on social media in front of these kids who live on their phone? That is going to be the bottom line. Can he adapt or will he die like Jimbo Fisher? Jimbo Fisher's dying right in front of our very eyes. He's not going to change. I know him too well. And there's a lot of other guys on that fence. Having said that, Jason, I, I, th- th- and I'll leave you at this. Like, we, I played with professional ba- baseball, football, and basketball players yesterday in a big-time 9-11 wounded vets uh, deal for Pat Perez and his dad that he runs down in San Diego. I got to play it with all these guys. One-armed guys, Jason. One-armed guys playing golf. One-legged guys playing golf. Happy as a lark to be out there. Mark Mulder, former pitcher, baseball pitcher, he was there with us. Uh, I, had a, I had a 10-year baseball vet with us in our foursome. He didn't want me to mention his name. They are absolutely appalled at this baseball pitcher who's come out and said, why didn't you pull me out in the seventh inning when we were getting beat? They're like, what? You're making generational wealth and you can't play the game that you love to play that got you generational wealth? 
Jason, at one point, like I said on my show today, the money that's paid you, the people that's paid you, the hand that's paid you, all this money in the NFL, the NBA, and the, and the Major League Baseball, don't be careful because that you, you bite the hand that feeds you. Sometimes karma is real. Aaron Rodgers got bit by the hand that fed him by not paying homage and playing the game that allowed you to make the money in the first place. I'm tired of hearing it's a business. I'm tired of hearing play when you can, when you want to, all that crap. Roger Goodell needs to mandate you play for the betterment of the sport, the little kids looking up to us, and everybody else out there looking up to athletes. Because by doing this, you're allowing for this to happen, what you saw last night. He got bit by the hand that fed him. I truly believe that's happening in sports. JB, thank you. Great job as always. Uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, guys, I want to tell you guys about uh, one of our sponsors that, as you've heard me say previously, I hopped on board with these guys long before they hopped on board with Fearless. I've been taking Liver Health Formula for two years. About six months ago, Liver Health Formula said, hey, we should sponsor Whitlock Show and hop on board. I couldn't be more excited. I couldn't give a more authentic recommendation of a product that I've been using to fight my fatty liver for two years. The American Heart Association indicates that adults with fatty liver were three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. The American Liver Foundation says that 100 million Americans have fatty liver, which means many people are at risk. We throw everything at our livers, cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, cigarettes. That's why so many of us have a sluggish fatty liver that makes us gain weight and lose energy. I've been fighting my fatty liver with liver health formula. It's, guys, I hate, to, I'm just gonna, I don't like to jinx myself and talk about things. I think I lost seven pounds in the past eight days. I was on the scale this morning. I was very thrilled with myself. Part of my routine is liver health formula. It's an all-natural supplement, contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver, manufactured right here in the US of A, approved by American doctors. If you're looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism, boost your energy, and transform how you look and feel, try liver health formula and receive a free bottle of blood sugar formula to reduce sugar cravings when you order today. Try liver health formula by going to GetLiverHelp.com slash Jason and claim your free bonus gift. That's GetLiverHelp.com slash Jason. Make sure you're hitting the comments. You're hitting subscribe. Leave us a comment if you're over uh, listening over Apple. Give us that five-star review. Steve Kim, Korean Cosell. Next. it really took off. I want to say it was 20, it was 2016. It was right after the election um, when Trump One. shockingly beat Hillary. And I remember all of the people, the athletes who were upset about it and kneeling and just throwing a fit about what just happened in that election. 
And ESPN had tweeted a soundbite from Bucks receiver Mike Evans, who I've always been a huge fan of and always will be. Like, what a player, right? Uh, and tweeted something from him, a soundbite in the locker room after, it was the Sunday after the election. And so he had knelt, I think, before or during the national anthem. And, and I retweeted what my company had tweeted. And he was mad because Trump was in office. And I realized that he didn't even vote. So go ahead. I say this to everybody, to my kids, whatever. Bitch and moan about all of it. But if you didn't vote, I don't want to hear it. Because then it's kind of on you if the results ended up this way, a way that you didn't like, you know? Welcome back. Man, do I have a great offer for you if you love playing daily fantasy sports. We've partnered with Prize Picks. You want to test your skills in a rewarding way? It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize Picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. My mom, I'm helping manage her account. She loves football and daily fantasy sports more than anybody, and she's a little bit greedy. She wants to be financially rewarded for her passion for uh, loving football. Here's my mom's picks for this week that I helped her make. Uh, Saquon Barkley, more than 75 and a half rushing yards versus the Arizona Cardinals. I really like that pick. T. Higgins, man, is he do. The Bengals play the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Joe Burrow's going to bounce back. T. Higgins, more than 59 receiving yards against the Baltimore Ravens. Love that pick. This one here, me and my mother argued about back and forth. My mom likes Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones. She thinks he's going to rebound with more than 198 and a half passing yards versus the Arizona Cardinals. That's my mom's prize picks. See if you can beat her. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. Go to prizepicks.com fearless and use the code fearless for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com fearless. Use my promo code fearless $100 up to $100. In promo, in promo cash for you. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. See if you can beat my mom. All right, uh, let's roll out to LA and bring in the Korean Cosell. All right, Cosell, uh, just had a great conversation with JB about uh, my theory that we're witness, we witnessed the end of an era last night with Aaron Rodgers damaging his Achilles out for the season, I think likely retired uh, or done playing. I certainly don't see him playing at MVP level. I, I consider it the great rock and roll era of football is now dead, and we're now on to the hip-hop era of football that I'm really not looking forward to. When Aaron Rodgers got hurt last night, my interest in that game 
went almost completely away. Uh, your thoughts on the perhaps end of a magnificent era of NFL football with Aaron Rodgers now joining Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. They're all done. The great ones are all done. And now we're in a new era. Your thoughts. Yeah, and in relationship to your column, th this would be akin to Nas suddenly losing his voice, and then it's it. And now we're stuck with all this mumble rap, this demonic with the guys with the tattoos on their faces, you know, with the long dreads, kind of dressed in female type of clothing. You know, wh wh where have you gone, Rock Him? And it's it. I, I mean, there used to be a time. I, I was actually a very big hip hop fan of the, of the rap genre. Nowadays, I think it's almost a different art form or a different genre of music. I'm not so sure there's a lot of art going on. As it relates to Aaron Rodgers, from a pure football standpoint as a fan, Jay, it's a sad day. I was actually looking forward to watching this game after taping the three knockdown rule, and I got an alert on my phone that Rodgers had went down, and I guess it was serious. That's the indication. And I just said to myself, I just literally missed all of Aaron Rodgers' season. And it's sad because the Jets are a loaded squad and to watch that game yesterday, you're right, because the guys that you named, they are from that last era before everything was full-blown spread. So quarterbacks had to actually work in the pocket, climb the pocket, scan the field, and throw real NFL routes. And, and these guys weren't necessarily athletes. They were quarterbacks. Now we're in the era of the athletic quarterback, and there's one thing missing, skilled quarterbacking. Because what I saw on Sunday – I thought was really, really shoddy NFL-level football. It actually felt like week four of the preseason. But you know what, Jason? This is what they have engineered. Steve, you and I are going to get killed, particularly me, uh, for dumping on this era and for dumping on the athletic quarterback, per se. Uh, there were 14 black NFL starters week one. Everybody's going to celebrate, oh, this is great, this is awesome. Look at all the diversity, equity, inclusion. It's the black takeover of the quarterback position. How dare Jason Whitlock and Steve Kim criticize the actual play on the field and say it wasn't high quality? Steve, the only explanation is, you know, I must be the white face of white supremacy and you're the Korean face of white supremacy. Or... Or are we just dealing with the reality of what the NFL and the quarterback position has become? I, I, it's, it's just, as much as these guys run around, I just don't see it as, as high-quality football. Well, it, it's certainly different. And you can call it the evolution, but it is the spread era where a lot of the times you, you want a mobile quarterback, you're using the read option, RPOs, uh, the reads are kind of cut down in half. So the type of quarterbacking that we used to like or have in abundance is no longer there. But the one thing that I'm noticing, Jason, and this is kind of a, st a statistical thing, I'm seeing a lot of games where guys have 35, 40 attempts, but they only have about 300 yards. Now, on the surface, that seems like a lot, but it, when your pass per, uh, the average of your pass attempts is less than eight, you're not very efficient. You're doing a lot of dinking and dunking. You're, you're doing a lot of screen passes, bubble screens, smoke screens, pop passes, and shovels. That, I mean, that's kind of an extension of the running game. 
But are you seeing guys that are big, strong-arm guys throwing the deep out, opposite hash, the dig routes, the seam balls, deep post? You're really not. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I was just kind of thinking about it. The highest level of quarterbacking I saw this weekend happened on Saturday. Shador Sanders made some impressive throws. Tyler Van Dyke, Quinn Ewers, and certainly Caleb Williams. So I don't think all hope is lost because, Jason, this upcoming quarterback class, which will also include Michael Penix of Washington, who I'm a very big fan of, uh, they are going to be the new generation of this quarterback. But we have to be fair about this. My guy, Josh Allen, we have to start questioning the motivational skills of Stephon Diggs. Last night, he was awful. He was awful in so many ways. He was spooked by the Jets' pass rush. He's literally bailing out of the pocket so fast. Some of those plays looked like quarterback draws, except they weren't. And his mechanics got all bad. He was rushing his throws. And last night, again, it's only week one. Let's, let's talk about this in a few weeks. But that's the type of game that if you're a Buffalo Bill defender, you are looking at that guy with the extreme side eye because he gave that game away. Uh, Steve, you got ahead of me, but I'm not going to complain because I did want to rub your nose in the fact that uh, I believe it was just 12 or 13 days ago. uh, Someone said on this show there was a problem in Buffalo with the quarterback and his lack of preparation and everybody in the locker room knew it. And there was a certain Korean Cosell who gave me a lot of flack for questioning Josh Allen. So feel free. The floor is yours to go ahead and apologize and say, man, Woodlock was right and, and I was wrong. Go, go ahead. The floor, the floor is yours. What is this, overreaction Tuesday on Blaze? It's one <laughs> game out of 17. Okay? At the end of the year, he'll still probably have over 4,500 yards, close to 40 touchdowns. Uh, but, look, the Jets have traditionally – stifled Allen. If you look at that Jets defense, this is the shame about that injury. All they need, the Jets, is average quarterback play, get to around 20 to 24 points. They could actually win most games. They have a Pro Bowl-level player at every level of that defense. But last night, Josh Allen, this is a disturbing trend, Jason. He's actually declining. He's starting to turn the ball over a lot, and he showed no patience at the top of his drop. But do I think that's because he's underprepared? Give me, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna discuss this in October, November. You you are making a broad assumption what, what, in week what, what, one. What? Oh God! Is is there is there is hold on? So, something wrong with your tongue and your mouth on September twelfth, uh, Tuesday, September twelfth, twenty twenty three. You can't talk about it right now. I mean, is uh, is there a problem? You got you, know, you got a, a date? Something? You you late somewhere? What? Oh, hold on, hold on. This is the same guy that rips Dion for celebrating like they won the Super Bowl in week one. And now, now look at you, Whitlock. Look, oh, my God. They, they, they kettle, hot, meet each other. Okay, so give me a break. I, I, look, this is what I am. I, I'm like referee Joe Cortez. I'm fair, but I'm firm. Josh Allen played a dud. And like the real Cosell, I just call it the way it is. Played a bad game. A bad game, not a bad season. Well, it, it was not the start uh, that he was looking for. And the B- Bills Mafia, they've, they've gone silent as well. I, I, do I do I do sound like Dion? Now what? Now what? Do you 
Do you believe? Do I, no, I don't believe Where are my critics you. now? Yeah. You, do you yeah, believe yeah, now? Yeah, no, yeah. I don't I, believe you. But, Jason, there's a bigger I, that's issue. That's a very good. They, yeah. the, the way the NFL teams handle the preseason where these guys don't play, uh, are they going to realize that you have to play a little football to be good at real football? Uh, Jason, when we were growing up, a little bit before we could understand what the NFL was, they used to have six preseason games, believe it or not. So as we got to a point where we understood the league and when we became fans, they had four. And what they used to do is the starters would play the first series of the first game. Then the second game, they would play about a quarter. The third game was always the key game where the starters would play a full half of real football and then most of them would get week four off. Now they only get three weeks off with the week off in between, and some of these guys never play. How can you develop the callus and the conditioning to play real football? And all of a sudden, week one, you say, okay, guys, everyone, everyone goes 100 miles per hour, go out there. What do you think was going to happen? There's no question that's what JB and I talked about. And it, it's not just the injury situation. It's just the quality of the play is impacted. These guys don't practice full speed virtually ever. Yes. And, and how do you get better if you're not practicing real football? Obviously, I played college football in the 1980s and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It was full on, let's get it on, in practice, very physical. That's what it took to prepare to play on Saturday. None of that happens in football anymore. And so not only am I not surprised there are more injuries, I'm also not surprised that the quality of play has regressed. These guys all, when I look at Joe Burrow, when I look at uh, Lamar Jackson, when I look at Josh Allen, they all got generational riches before proving anything. And so why, what's their incentive to get better? The old school athletes, there was a level of greatness you used to have to achieve in order to make real money. And then you needed to even achieve even more because if you made real money, it still wouldn't take care of you well past your career. And so you wanted to be a Hall of Famer because you knew there was great financial value in having a gold jacket and being a Hall of Famer. But, but I would even say the whole Hall of Fame thing, it's being diminished because now everybody gets in the Hall of Fame. It's like the NBA, it's like the Basketball Hall of Fame. Four or five Pro Bowls and, and, and you're a Hall of Fame candidate. The, the whole thing's been watered down. The quality of play is, is, is just not what it used to be. I, I want to pivot a little bit, Steve, back into the whole degradation of the NFL, the diminishing of the NFL, the whole Marxist hip-hop culture, the, whole, the racial politics of the NFL. It's playing out with Jim Trotter, former employee of the NFL Network. I've known Jim Trotter for years. When he was at the San Diego Tribune and covering the, the Chargers and covering the NFL, he's a great reporter, a well-respected reporter. Like everybody else, he's, he's moved with the times and has become very woke. I, I wanna know your thoughts on this lawsuit that he's filed against the NFL. He's saying he was fired from racial discrimination. In his lawsuit, he has allegations uh, against 
uh, Terry Bagula, the, the owner of the uh, Buffalo Bills, and Jerry Jones, where he's quoting them, s saying some things that would be construed as racist in the social media world, things that put them in a tough spot. What do you think of Jim Trotter's lawsuit? Do you buy the fact that the owner of the Bills and Jerry Jones would say politically incorrect things in front of a black reporter in 2020? Well, I think there's something very, very apropos about this coming out on the same day that the online activists and the agent of Colin Kaepernick are saying that they are reaching out to the New York Jets. Uh, I'll be honest, if I'm the New York Jets, I'd rather have Richard Todd or Browning Nagel back rather than that guy. OK, but anyway, to your point, um, Trotter at one point, I thought was a really good reporter, as you said, did solid work for years, a true NFL grinder, did his job, I think, with a lot of flair and class. I had no problems with him, but I, I did. I had this feeling at the last couple of NFL Super Bowl media days with Goodell, he started to become a bit of a grandstander. And my view was this. With those alleged comments of the two NFL owners, I have a question. Why didn't you report it then? And this is a bombshell. And my question is, if you were still under the employment of the NFL media, uh, would you have hidden it? I, I mean, would your salary have been some sort of hush money? And now you're going to have to prove it. But these are just allegations. Again, if you were still under the employment of the National Football League, would you have reported it? But again, if you're a reporter and you care about these stories about racial justice and that big key word, equity, why did you keep it under wraps? Why? That, that, that's the question that I have. And, you know, I think a lot of these guys get swept up in this whole culture of being online activists and saying that they care. But, you know, I would like to know, and again, I don't know of any of this. Has he mentored a group of young minority journalists to make sure that they go through the process? Because it's easy to say, Jason, that we need more of XYZ minority. We'd like to have more representation. You know what? Maybe in a lot of industries you do. But the second part, which is equally or even much more important, is that how are you reading them? How are you teaching them? How are you bringing up the next generation to have that uh, wanting or desire to be in that profession and then to be able to actually thrive in it. So you, we can just say, well, we need, we need more representation. Okay, then what? What are you doing about it? Other than complaining all the time. That's where it rings very, very hollow with me. I, I think he's going to argue that in 2020, he raised these objections internally. And so... As an NFL network employee, who he, he, he's not going to be able to go on air with these allegations. He's not going to publish them on NFL.com. They own that. And so he's going to argue the best he could do was raise these up internally through HR, through proper channels. Hey, the owner said this, the owner said that. What are you going to do about it? And and. That it, he's meeting reasonable expectations there. Now, the owner of the Buffalo Bills has put out a statement denying this unequivocally. And, and I don't blame him for denying it. I'm someone I, I think differently than most. 
I don't find his comments racist. I find them uh, justifiable given the conversation uh, that's been going on in America the last decade. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of black people that think the exact same thing. Hey, man, you're going to run your mouth and you're going to kneel. You can't respect the national anthem. Uh, where are you going to move to? Colin Kaepernick, you're worth millions of dollars. Move to Africa. Move. Where is it better at? People say that, think that. I, I don't think it's incredibly racist for the guy to, to say it. But again, we, we know how social media works and how they frame and sensationalize. And everybody's going to pretend like, oh, my God, he just called Jim Trotter the N-word. Jerry Jones's statement, uh, to me, isn't even remotely uh, racist. It, it's what any employer would say. You don't like it here? You don't like it here at McDonald's? Go take a job at Wendy's. Or go buy yourself a Wendy's franchise and do it better. Th th that's what people do, say, and think. And, all the, and, and for Jerry Jones and some of these other guys, they're sitting there going, Man, y'all just want to go on TV or, or write some article saying I'm racist because I didn't hire uh, whatever Ray Rhodes or whatever black coach, Brian Flores, whatever black coach you say I must hire. And, and, and basically, Jerry said, walk a mile in my shoes and see who you hire. See, you know, you know, did, did Michael Jordan, when he owned the Charlotte Hornets, did every coach he hired, was every coach he hired black? I, I don't know. I, I would tend to think not. And, and so I don't have a problem with Jerry Jones' statement. Uh, I, I, I do think, I, I blame Roger Goodell's very weak leadership for all of this. For, for he, He's supposed to be a shield for the 31 owners, the Green Bay Packers don't have an owner, the 31 owners who own franchises in the National Football League. Roger Goodell is supposed to be a shield for them. Roger Goodell is actually their enemy, and he's throwing them under a bus, and he has taken control of that league away from ownership. And he's worked with the media and guys like Jim Trotter and, and ESPN and everybody else to put the owners in the crosshairs while Roger Goodell mostly skates free uh, of this type of deal. And Roger Goodell panders and, and Roger Goodell and Troy Vincent, you know, put in racism in the end zone and do all this other pandering and symbolic stuff and hand out. Again, just think the San Francisco 49ers were awarded a third round draft pick because the Miami Dolphins Dolphins hired Mike McDaniel as their head coach. Mike McDaniel, I know he's half black or some percentage black. Guy looks as white as anybody I've, I've ever seen. But, but Roger Goodell, Troy Vincent came up with these silly rules and stipula stipulations and have created this environment where Jim Trotter feels emboldened to do what he's doing. I. I it's a bad look for Roger Goodell. It's an even worse look for NFL ownership for allowing Roger Goodell to walk them in to this type of controversy and this type of environment. It's just a bad look for everybody. It, it, all of it just, it just all turns me off the NFL. All of the discussion around the NFL, it, it, it should be about competition. 
but too much of the conversation is about race and racism. It's a joke to me. Here's the uncomfortable reality for people like Jim Trotter. Those two owners he mentioned, in fact, all these owners, they've done more in terms of helping black people by paying them than all the online activists and Jim Trotter have ever done. All they do is ever really complain. They're perennial malcontents. Let, let's see the receipts. Jerry Jones has paid millions, probably billions, to black athletes. What has Jim Trotter ever really done besides do this on his own behalf? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, what movement? I mean, it's easy to complain online and then to be a disgruntled ex-employee. But has he ever really ran a business where he has helped empower other people that look like him? That's the question that I would like to ask. It's a fair question, Steve. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to. And Steve, I'm going to let you go. Great, great job, as always. Uh, we'll see you uh, tomorrow, probably. I'm not quite done yet. Uh, I'm just letting, uh, don't kill tomorrow for right now. I'm not quite done. I think I just, Steve raises a good question. I'm letting him off the hook or I just want to handle this myself because I've known Jim Trotter. Um, I'm sure Jim Trotter, probably through his connection with NABJ, the National Association of Black Journalists, has probably been involved in some programs of mentoring black journalists. And there's probably a lot of, or several black journalists who can personally say that Jim Trotter has reached out and helped them. So that would be Jim Trotter's answer to, to some of that. But, but as I sit here, someone who has, who is personally responsible for employing and empowering numerous black journalists, uh, creating opportunities for them through the excellence of my work and through my leadership of the undefeated, uh, because again, they wanted to destroy that thing and wanted the undefeated to never get off the ground. I swallowed all of that um, bogus narrative and vilification of myself and did not burn that thing down to the ground on my way out because, and again, I, just, just, just think, I mean, Jim Trotter thinks he faced some unfairness and some discrimination. Anyone that thinks that I couldn't have sued ESPN for, I, I could, but I, I didn't want to do that because I wanted the people that have jobs at the undefeated. And, and it doesn't matter how disappointed I am in their work and what the undefeated has turned into, Anscape or whatever, but I wanted people to have that experience and to have that employment and have those jobs. So I swallowed it all took all them bullets for everybody so that the thing could survive. And, and so I, I, I get what, what Steve is saying, but, but I just want to make, you can't win one way or the other in, in terms of, I get vilified and crucified and, and run through the, I sounds like I'm whining, let me stop, because I'm not. Because I'm not, I, I, I did what, made sense for me and I felt like would benefit other journalists. It's sad to me uh, what Jim Trotter's doing here. It seems self-centered. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't seem fair. And, and I, 
somewhat agree with Steve that the time, if, if NFL ownership was saying that type of stuff, and I get you worked at the NFL, leak it out to someone else. If you can't publish it while you're working at the NFL Network, you, there's ways to get it out there. But now, when you're trying to save your own job, when you're trying to embarrass the league, when your ego is such that you can't think of uh, another way to remain relevant and, and to collect money, all you can think to do is sue the NFL Network, it's not a good look. Um, but I'm rambling. Play tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.